welcome. Uh, hopefully each one of you are here to learn how to run an effective church board meeting better. Um, we are blessed to have uh, two wonderful presenters. Uh, I'm one of the two hosts in this room, uh, Elder Joel Sutherland. And uh, we have two presenters. One is Dustin Cerns. He was pastoring in Washington for a little bit where he had an older church that ended up in the course of just a couple of years um, reduced the age of as well as um, increased the attendance and membership there and then went on to plant a church, the LifeBridge Church in Tacoma, Washington, where he currently serves. Um, our other presenter is Karen Lewis, who wrote um, the Lifting Up Jesus Bible Studies. She's a pastor. She's a ministerial director in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Yes, Minnesota. And uh, they're both excited to share um, and I know you'll be blessed this morning and hopefully come away with some, some very helpful how-tos and, and tips from today's uh, meeting. So let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time that we can be here in this room this morning to learn more about how to run effective board meetings. Lord, this is something that as pastors we all face on a continual basis, and uh, it's something that I know at least when I got started, I did not feel prepared for, uh, adequately for. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, be with us this morning, help us to learn. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Before Justin goes up there, hold oh. on. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to let you know, how many of you were, guys were here for the evangelism shark tank last night? Anyone? I don't know about you guys. I was so exhausted, I'm totally uh, showing my age. So I did leave early. However, you know, there were five uh, participants in that. And they got 20,000, 10,000, 5,000, 3,000, and 2,000. Is that right? Well, guess who the number one winner was? Dustin Cerns. And he'll be able to tell you what that was. So let's give him a round of applause. You're putting me on the spot, Karen. I wasn't, uh, wasn't planning on talking about that. The point of this is how you run a church board. Whoa. What did we, what happened here? Oh, how you run a church board makes a difference in how you do the mission. Um, I think we just lost this. What happened? Did I get you excited here? <laughs> Hold on. I think there's a, oh, here we are. I think we got it. Is it going to come back? back? I think it was. Something got bumped over here. Yeah, I think something got bumped. So, um, yeah, no, last night we were talking about our, um, plan for yes you asked me to share about it uh doing free health yeah. clinics we've been doing free health clinics for the city of tacoma secular area and uh, we're wanting to go big this coming year and leverage it for not only making disciples but planting a new church as well so that was the project um anyway it's great to be here thank you so much for coming uh you made it through uh the crazy labyrinth to find the secret room downstairs right <laughs> so thanks so much for coming guys how to run an effective church board you know, I was sitting in a pastoral interview uh, for a church that I ultimately ended up lead, being lead pastor. And as we're having the discussion, they're asking the questions, the head deaconess blurts out, if our church doesn't get more young people around here, our church is going to die. And everyone kind of looks over like you weren't supposed to say that uh, during the pastoral interview. <laughs> But I look around the room at the, at the committed, spiritual, godly church leaders and church board members in their 60s and 70s, and I had to agree. 
During that same board meeting, the church board chair was led by a lay member. Uh, the church board chair said something very interesting. He said, now, the pastor, we would want you to preach. We'd want you to visit. We want you to get more young people. But we can handle the business of the church ourselves. It's like it had never occurred to them that what they did in their church board might have a direct impact on the fact that they celebrated many more funerals every year than baptisms. In their mind, they had not connected that what you focus on in the church board is what you will see results in your church. And this is actually the case for many church members today, many on our church boards, and even many leaders in our in our division today. But I would suggest to you that what you do in your church board will directly impact what you see in your church. So we have just two discussion questions for you. And that is, now how come my clicker's not working? Hold on. What do you like most about board meeting? Turn to the person next to you or whoever's sitting at your table. Just two quick questions. What do you like most about board meeting? What is most challenging about board meeting? Just take two quick minutes to discuss that real quick. What do you like best? And you have to come up with one thing. All right. I know you're pastors, so you have a hard time keeping it brief, uh, but we're going to cut you off. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, but this is part of running an effective church board as well. Um, so. Uh, so what does, what does it take to run an effective church board? You just shared a little bit. What do you like about your board meetings? What, uh, what are you being challenged by? And the real question is, what makes a church board meeting effective, right? I hear all kinds of answers to this question. I've seen it post on Facebook, and pastors are happy to share, you know, is it efficiency, getting out by a certain time? Is it oversight, ensuring the right decisions are made? Is it character, that people are nice to each other? Is it consensus, that we're unifying around a decision? Is it consistency, that it actually happens and that people actually show up? What makes a church board meeting effective? Now, probably all these things are good, but maybe we should ask Jesus, the founder of the church, what makes a church board meeting effective? You think that's a good idea? Because the church board is there to, is the body that is designed to carry out the operation that the church was raised up to do. So what is it? You all know this passage, but we are going to read it with fresh eyes in light of how to run a church board meeting. Does that sound good to you? This is the Great Commission. This is the last words of Jesus to his disciples. The resurrected Christ has appeared. Let's read this together. And I'm going to ask you just for like one minute, rapid fire, one sentence or phrase comments. What do you see? What principles do you see in this passage about how to run an effective church board? Once again, this is going to be one sentence comments. All right. So let's, let's think about this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end 
of the age. What do you see? What, just really quick, rapid fire. What are some principles for church board meetings that we find right here? Yes. What? Make mission first priority. Jesus is the authority. What else do we see? Worship first. All right. What else do you see? Discipleship. Excellent. Anyone else? What do you see here? Jesus will always be with us to the end of the age, including with us in our board meetings. What a blessing. Yes. Needs to be focused on making disciples, right? Evangelism. Anyone else? Yes. Uh, okay, yes, you have to be a disciple, and being a disciple by definition means you're a disciple maker, or else you're not really a disciple. All right, anyone else? Worship. Worship. Okay, excellent. Great. Now, there's tons of principles we could take from this. I'm just going to highlight just a few really quick, okay? Uh, now, this is not all of them, I'm sure, but we saw in the passage, acknowledge Jesus' authority and presence, right? He's the head of the church, not us. He's the chair of the church board meeting. He's in charge. Uh, and we're just following what he's doing and trying to show up where he already is. Secondly, catalyze disciple-making, right? The only imperative in that, if for you Greek nerds, the only imperative in that passage is make disciples. The rest of them are partis participles. Make Basically, the syntax is saying, make disciples by going into the lives of others, baptizing, inviting them to make commitments to Jesus, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you so that they can grow in uh, their lives being aligned with God's will, all right? And so then multiply to reach all people groups. Oh, did you notice that? Make disciples of all nations or all people groups. Pantata ethne in Greek, which means all these different groups. We need to think bigger than just cultural uh, or language groups. This is all the different kinds of people in your area, in your community, and not just in your sphere, but we need to multiply to reach them. Our church boards need to think bigger than just the operation of their local church and how to get more people in the building, all right, if we want to be faithful to our biblical calling. And then, uh, and then embrace mission as the prescription for human weakness. Did you notice? We usually start the passage at verse 18. I started at 16. Why? You, the disciples are sitting in the presence of the resurrected Jesus, and some of them doubted. Can you, if Jesus was standing in the room today, how could we doubt? So then what did Jesus do? What did he say to the doubters? Did he say, we need to get our house in order before we're ready to go out on mission? We got to get, we got to experience healing with our members before we can go out into the community. That is a lie. He says, go make disciples. The prescription for human weakness is the mission. And so by focusing on the mission, we actually get to the destination of healing in spiritual maturity and everything like that. But you can't necessarily get to maturity until you focused on the mission. Let's go to the next section. Point number one, lifting up Jesus in your board meetings. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus Christ was sitting in your board meeting, would the atmosphere and the tenor of the conversation around the board be different, yes or no? Yes. Completely different, wouldn't it? So how can we practice the presence of Christ in our board meeting, right? I have a friend 
who has a ministry in Denver, Colorado. It's called Step 7. And this ministry is for um, recovering alcoholics. And they, when they have a board meeting, they have literally a huge picture of Jesus. And they put this picture of Jesus right there at the head of the table of the board meeting. And they said, Jesus is the CEO of this organization. Wow. What a mental picture. And so how would that look for you in your board meetings? I know for myself, typically what we do in a board meeting is we give a devotional, and then we might have one or two prayers, and then we get right into our business. We have the agenda, right? I think it's so much more efficient, at least for me. I don't even do a devotional, honestly. What I do is I make sure every person around that table, I said, you know what? God is the one who takes his rightful place at the head of this table. And I will lead us in prayer, and I will say, Lord, this is your church. This is not my church. Take your rightful place at the head of this table of this church. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your spirit to be here. And Lord, I myself am going to surrender myself to your plans and your agenda for this church. And I ask every single person at the table to say that same prayer of surrender. I mean, they say other things as well. But the point is, is in the beginning, we are covenanting to surrender our plans, our agendas, our thoughts, our desires into the Lordship of Christ. And isn't that where, what we're supposed to do as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. And so that's the first thing that I will do. The other point, too, is early on, and it's interesting, Dustin and I had never met each other personally before this board meeting, but some of the things that he and I do overlap. And one of the things that we do is we have ministry reports before we really even get into the, the crux of it. And then these ministry reports, we ask each leader, how is it that you have seen Christ working in your ministry in the last month? And we are looking to see where God's spirit has been working, because quite frankly, we are supposed to join him in his work. Is that right? Is he always at this work to this very day, right? And didn't, wasn't it Jesus who followed the direction of his father in each of these? And so just as the father was totally surrendered, just as Jesus was totally surrendered to the father and looked for his leading and guidance, so we each one look for his leading and his guidance. So I have more to talk to you about that, but that's going to be in my next uh, point. I'm going to give you the next uh, slide. Awesome. So uh, I remember seeing, um, I, I remember sitting in one of my first board meetings at my new church that I described earlier. Uh, I was not the church board chair at the time, uh, the same guy was, and I was the new young pastor uh, there to learn from them. And I'm sitting there, and uh, I noticed one of the items on the agenda was new sign for Kids Closet. Uh, kids Closet was a very active, uh, you know, community ministry, open every week, giving out free stuff for kids. And, um, and so when we, uh, when we got to the discussion topic, the, the leader of Kids Closet said, yeah, I'm wanting to purchase a sandwich board sign uh, to put out by the street so people can find us easier. It's going to cost about $40. And we spent the next 20 minutes 
talking about that. I couldn't believe it. I was like, why are we talking about this in the first place? She's, she was voted a budget of $200 by the business meeting already, and she's asking for permission to use $40 for a sign that's obviously needed to help the community? What are we doing? There has to be a, oh, by the way, this church had half a million dollars in the bank. They weren't hurting for money. I was like, what are we doing here? Finally, it passed after 20 minutes, and I just thought to myself, there has to be a better way. How can our churches, how can we do the board in a way where our churches become more interested in saving souls than just saving money? Well, there's three ways that we can do that in, in, in these sections. The first way, how to see a change through your church board. The first way is to change the content of the conversation, change the content of the church board conversation. Well, how do you do that? It happens through the agenda, right? You're the one, you as the church board chair are the one who frames the conversation for the church board. So change the content of the conversation if you want to see different outcomes. Here's just an example of, the, of an, an agenda, a standard agenda that, uh, that I have used in the established church context. Now, spoiler, in my church plant, I use something even more different than that, but I didn't feel like it would be as pertinent to your context. So I'm sharing this, uh, uh, but so a lot of basic principles still apply. So first section, training and inspiration. I want to spend 10 minutes on this, and this is not a sermon by the pastor, right? This is where I, it's brief, it's interactive. My goal is to get them talking about mission and spiritual growth, right? Because if our leaders are growing spiritually and missionally, their church will grow spiritually and missionally. Do we agree on that? Right? And so I want, so you can take a picture of this slide if you want. I'm not going to read it to you. It's a lot of information, but I thought this might be easier than trying to hand you a bunch of pieces of paper and stuff like that. This is really just to get your creative juices flowing, but I'd we're going to take questions at the end. But, uh, but what I'd like to do is just give you an example of one of these, all right? So if we're starting the church board meeting, I'm going to say, thanks so much for coming. Hey, would so-and-so have prayer for us? And then, uh, and then, and then I'd say, all right, let's open our Bibles to John chapter 20, verse 21. And so we, uh, we open the Bible, scroll on an app or whatever. We get to John chapter 20, uh, 20 21, and then we, uh, we open it up and see, and Jesus said, um, and, and as the Father has sent me, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the and, and I'm not reading this. I'm having someone else read it, right? I want them to participate in the conversation. I already talk about this all the time. I want them to start talking about it, right? And so they say, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And then he, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then I asked the question, how has Jesus led us into the lives of others since we last met? Who can share with us? And of course, maybe I'll have a personal story as well to maybe get the conversation going or let somebody else share. But right, so we're framing conversations to help people talk about things that will help them grow spiritually, things that will help them grow missionally. I put a bunch of stuff up there for your own creative juices. You guys are good at this. You can come up with your own stuff as well, but this is just something to get you started, stuff that I've used as well. All right, so, um, so that's the training and inspiration piece. The next part is going to be, uh, and, and the prayer as well, that's key. Like Karen was talking about, get people praying. Uh, sometimes we'll even split, for the training and inspiration piece, sometimes we'll split up into groups and, uh, and have them discuss something in smaller groups so there can be more deep discussion or praying together in smaller groups or talking about how's it going in your ministry, what challenges are you facing, some coaching as well. So you can do it a lot of different ways, as a whole group or as a smaller groups, whatever it takes to frame the conversation about, about spirituality, mission, and ministry, all right? Second part is report section. This is 
this is probably my favorite part of the whole board meeting. And so we're gonna, we do a ministry reports, just like Karen mentioned, having ministry leaders uh, sharing one minute ministry reports about what's, what's God doing in their ministries. We want church board members to come to the board knowing that it's not that the pastor's gonna drone on and on about stuff and then we get to argue about it, but it's that we get to share what God is already doing, right? And so, uh, and so they're sharing one minute reports and then also what that's doing is that is diminishing the influence of the complainers who don't do anything and it's elevating the influence of the ones who are actually doing mission. What a concept, right? Praise the Lord. This part is awesome. I love this part of the, of the board meeting because we don't want our board members just to be advice givers. We want them to be ministry leaders doing it and mobilizing other people to do it too, right? And now also I want to ta be talking about changed lives. I want to share as many changed lives stories as possible during this time. Now I'm not going to do it all in one shot, right? But if there's been a changed life story I or somebody else who's close, hopefully if somebody's done Bible studies with someone and they've been baptized, I want them to share that story. Hey, tell us the short, short version. So-and-so was just baptized. Tell us about that. How's their life been changed? Or the longer version, right? We've got, we've got about 10 minutes for this section. If it goes a little bit longer, you can manage your time because this is what it's all about. When the board members are being inspired by how God is moving among them, it will change the rest of the church board meeting. All right, and so then, uh, then we have the clerk, so we got one minute ministry reports, change lives, you know, share anything you can about that. Uh, because here's the principle, what we talk about, we will see more of. What we talk, this goes for the worship gathering up front, this goes for the church board meeting, this goes for conversations you have with your members. This is a principle in life. What we talk about, we'll see more of. If you talk about issues, you're gonna see more issues. If you talk about facility upgrades, you're gonna see more facility upgrades. If you talk about changed lives, you're gonna see more changed lives, right? Let's do it. Let's change our conversation and help them change theirs too. All right, next part is the clerk's report. We want these things to be really, uh, really rapid fire. Don't spend extra time on things that you don't need to spend extra time on. Clerk's report, five minutes. Go through the minutes. You know, maybe that's already given out in advance. Vote that. Membership. Are there any membership transfers, that kind of thing? By the way, can we do a better job at transferring members? Please celebrate new members. Have a new member orientation class that every person who joins by baptism, profession of faith, or transfer goes to where you can get them living and breathing the mission of your church and how they are personally involved with it and part of it, and then interview them up front on a new member, on a baptism Sabbath or whatever, or a transfer Sabbath, whatever it is, new member Sabbath, and share one minute, how has God led you to this place in your life, right? Then everyone else gets to know them instead of saying, now let's transfer, what's, here's the vote for so-and-so. Are they here today? All right, so let's let's get better at that. Um, and then uh, membership reports, so you can vote those through rapidly all in one block. And then calendar. Uh, we used to spend tons of time voting all these one-off events in my church board meeting until we finally just said, okay, everybody put your events on a Google calendar and we're just gonna spend one minute looking at it saying, are there any changes? All right, we see it all, let's vote it, bam, done. All right, and then, uh, and then then we got our treasures report. This is to make sure that uh, the finances are, there's transparency that we're using God's money, God's way for God's glory, right? And so during the treasures report, we wanna also make sure this is streamlined, give the essential information. Uh, but then also what I wanna be doing is I'm going to, during that treasures report, maybe not every time, but many times, I'm gonna point at one thing and talk about how God's working through that, right? 
So like, hey, notice we just spent, we just spent $5,000 giving out free health care to our community. Uh, notice how when people give to the church, they don't give to it, they give through the church. We're moving on, right? So vision cast, use, use your finance time instead of uh, just talking about numbers, talking about, talk about how God is changing uh, your church because when people see how they give through the church and your leaders are some of your top givers oftentimes, then they're gonna wanna do it more. And they're also gonna wanna have a positive uh, impact in that conversation. One other thing to think about, what we started tracking when I started planting my church, uh, my new church, LifeBridge Church, is we used to only look at the numbers and now the, one of the number one metrics that we look at, in addition to the other stuff, is giving households. Because that's really the barometer of spiritual financial uh, growth in our church, isn't it? How many are giving households for tithe and for offerings? That's the number that's even more important than the bottom line of some big giver making a big difference, right? All right, and so then the next, uh, next section is recommendations. This is where it all happens, right? But how do you get a recommendation? We don't have people, we don't have church board members just just dump problems onto the church board and then spend about three hours trying to solve it and then finally table the discussion, right? We've all been there, haven't we? Anybody been in a board meeting like that before? Oh, good, only a few of you. You guys have amazing church boards. That's great. Or maybe you're just good at leading them. Uh, so, uh, so we want to have ministry leaders have already consulted with their teams and, their, and whoever's involved in this decision, they've already done their homework, they've already consulted, and they're bringing a recommendation to the board that can either be voted or easily adapted and voted. And so now they're bringing a recommendation and it's coming as a rec recommendation with a motion and a second, all right, let's discuss this and then we can change it or whatever if we need to. Um, so they're bringing a recommendation and so we're discussing something that is ready to be voted or we may need to make a little bit of changes to it or whatever and then we move on and we, and we vote it. If, we're not, if it's not ready yet, then we say, let's take a little bit more time. Why don't you go talk to the other people involved in this? Why don't you talk to the maintenance committee more and get more details for us? Why don't you give us a couple of options and we'll talk about it next board meeting, right? So you're not taking up all your time on that. Now you can still give ownership, you can still give buy-in, people can still give input, but you wanna do your homework in advance. That's how you have the time to reframe the conversation about mission in the front end, right? Because we're not just letting things drone on and on. So, uh, so ministry leaders are giving recommendations about what they, uh, what they want to see happen. Um, and so then the next, uh, oh, by the way, here's the other way to streamline this, all right? So number one, every leader has a budget and every budget line has a leader attached to it, right? The kid's closet story that I shared earlier. That should have never been a board, board agenda. She should have just spent the money and bought the thing, right? And so go through your budget and attach every, and you can, have, you can do this with the church and business meeting when you vote your budget or whatever with the board and then take it, but whatever you need to do, and then go through and take every line of your budget and attach a leader or a, or a, or a group or a body, whatever, somebody who has authorization for that fund, not just the church board for every single thing. And so then whoever has authorization, we vote the budget all together and then we empower them and say, leaders, please spend your money on the mission. This is what we value because what you spend money on is what you value. Please use this money, make a difference. If you run out, come tell us how you used it and then we'll see if God can provide some more, right? But we would hate to keep all of it in the bank account and not save any souls in the process. So please, 
We want you to be empowered. If you have the, if the Holy Spirit's giving you the idea, we have voted you as the leader, we have voted your budget, and we trust you that the Spirit is leading you to do this. Now, if this is like a, if this is a decision that affects the whole church, those are the ones that come to the church board, right? Things that affect everybody. How we're gonna use, maybe if we're starting a new Sabbath school class and we need to decide what space is going to be used properly and how to, how to align with that, we're gonna just discuss it just so that everyone's on the same page, right? Or, or a facility improvement, sure, we're gonna talk about that, but we're gonna talk about it in the context of we are trying to facilitate an environment where people can have an encounter with God and be changed, right? It's not just about we need new carpet, right? And so, um, so every, every leader has a fund, every fund has a leader. Secondly, ministry teams work out the details. They bring it to the church board. Remember that the church board doesn't determine if something can happen. Did you know that? Jesus determines that. The church board determines the scale of which it can happen, right? If the church board, for example, if the church, the church board votes, if we're going to do an evangelistic series with the whole church using church resources, church communication, and the church facility, Right? But they don't get to decide if somebody wants to host a small group at their house and lead their neighbors and have a Bible study because they're not in charge of that. Jesus already told them to do that. Jesus already voted it in the heavenly council, all right? And so, uh, and so keep in mind, you can always do the mission despite what the church board says. The church board just determines scale. And so work to the scale that the church board is ready for, and then, and then also start these things on the margins. If you have a church board and you're really getting stuck, start on the margins, do things in, your, in homes, do things on the sides, do things outside of Sabbath morning, and then tell those stories back into the group of the changed lives, and then the church, let the church board come on board over time. So the finally, then we're going to have closing prayer. Then we have exhibits at the end of the agenda. This is like extra, extra things. This is where you have all the details about the plan that's going to be uh, uh, voted or those kinds of things. You've got any additional resources that you use for training and inspiration. And then I want to also have an upcoming ministry calendar because I want to know, I want everyone, every leader in my church to know the date of our next baptism because they might be studying with somebody or they could at least be thinking about it. Uh, they, I want them to know the date of my next new member orientation because that's where they would bring that person to before their baptism. The date of the next community outreach activity because I want them inviting people into this, experiencing it. Date of my next wave of small groups. Date of the next evangelistic seminar. Dates that I personally will be on vacation or out of town so that they already know and, and can get everything else ready to roll. Lastly, uh, in this section, uh, tools for facilitating discussions. Um, is uh, here's just a few things that can help in the process. Number one, validate comments and ask for more, right? Thank you so much for your comment. Who else has more thoughts? There, in, many in, in my church context, I don't know, this probably doesn't happen in yours, but in my church context, there were a couple influential people that loved to speak on behalf of the church. That doesn't happen in your context, but that happened in mine. Um, and so I would say thank you so much for your comments. Let's hear from others. All right, ask for more, keep asking for more, keep asking for more, thank you. Uh, other, other thoughts, who hasn't had a chance to share yet? All right, secondly, brainstorm. If you wanna get things going, maybe you're not ready for the recommendation vote, but you wanna get things going a certain direction, hey, let's have a brainstorm about this. Let's, every idea is a good idea. We're gonna write it all up on the board and we're gonna take a picture of it, we're gonna pray about it and we're gonna have somebody or some group work on synthesizing these things to bring back for recommendation next time, okay? And so you can do brainstorms. So they're starting to get buy-in even when you're not ready to fully do something yet. Secondly, a straw poll. Um, this is, I use this all the time. It is the greatest discussion accelerator ever. All right? 
here's what I do. Okay, it, we've been talking about this. I want to know where are people at. Um, uh, why don't you just show me thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs to the middle? Thumbs up, yes, I'm, I'm for, this is what the recommenda on, the, on the recommendation. Thumbs down, no on the recommendation, or thumbs to the middle, I'm not sure yet, or I don't care. I, I, maybe I wouldn't say that. I'm, I'm not sure yet, or yeah, I'm, I, I don't have an opinion. All right, ready, set, show us. And then people show, their thumb up, their thumb down, thumb to the side, and then if I see all thumbs up and like one or two vocal thumbs down, I just say, looks like we're ready to vote this, let's do it. Right? It's obvious to everyone what we need to do with the, what, with the discussion. The chairman or chairwoman is not, is not like strong-arming anybody. They're seeing from themselves what's going on. Or if somebody's in the middle, if I have a lot in the middle or a few in the middle, I'm going to say, hey, who, uh, you who had their thumb in the middle, tell me, what, what's, uh, where are you at with this? Why did you choose thumb in the middle for this? And then you're starting to hear a more dynamic discussion. All right? Uh, then third, a secret ballot. Uh, any sensitive topic, I want to do by secret ballot because I don't want uh, people to be worried about what other people are thinking about their votes, especially if there's some influence dynamics in the room. So just every, every sensitive vote by secret ballot. Um, if it's not sensitive, then, then can just do it the other way. Um, then prayer break. Hey, let's, let's all take a break and pray about this. God, guide us in this decision. This is your church. This is your mission. Is this, is this what you want for us, or do you want something else? Uh, give, just give us clarity right now. Amen. All right. Uh, or table the discussion. Hey, looks like we should probably do a little bit more homework on this and work on it uh, till next time. Karen. Dustin, I love the idea. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned about the transfer of membership. That is just, the way we handle that is just, you know, very uh, unimaginative. And so at our church, we have a an interview spotlight where when we have new members in, we'll have them, we'll interview them, and then we will actually, on behalf of the church, provide them with a special welcome basket where we will give them like little mugs or cups or tea and devotionals and, you know, whatever it is. And then, of course, we'll stop and we'll take a Facebook post so that we can, you know, put it up there. But that way, everyone gets to know who they are. And we do that with baptism. Baptisms are so special. We throw a big birthday party for them because it's their spiritual birthday, right? So we have helium balloons. Everyone gets gives them gifts that'll help them grow in their spiritual walk with the Lord. We ask them what their special uh, cake is, favorite cake, and I'm always hoping it's Black uh, Forest. And then we are just we're we're getting them going, and they get to invite their family and friends. And I'll tell you, and then we get that welcome to the family book. Everyone signs it. Their well wishes. They invite their family and friends, and we actually have their family and friends come up and lay hands on them as well. So it's a really great time for that. How to ensure buy-in with your initiatives. How many of you have people on your board that are the naysayers, that are the critical ones, that sit there and go, we've never done it that way before, or it can't be done? How many, honestly, how many of you have those in your board? Okay, all right. So... What do we do with them, right? What do we do with them? Number one, are they someone of influence? When you first go to a church, you know you're being very observant. You look to see who it is that has the influence in the church. Whenever I find out who those people are, I make sure that I start praying for them and I really start sharing with them. I start sharing with them how God has been speaking to me after a while about mission. 
And so I will let them know that ahead of time. And I will also begin to do that with my church board. For instance, I'll tell you what, there's something developing right now. I am a big believer in following God's lead. So we, um, when I started with my church, we had about 30 people. This was about three years ago. They were meeting in a strip mall, okay? And so then COVID hit, and the strip mall, this area was too small for them to begin with. They were doing kids' Sabbath school classes in the hallway where the bathrooms were. I mean, it was pitiful. So when COVID hit, I'm like, we're shutting this operation down right now. I had three churches. One of them, I said, hey, let's picnic in the park over the summer. No way, no way. Second church, let's go ahead and do that. No way, no way. Third church, the strip mall church, they're like, yes, let's meet in the park, right? So we met in the park that whole summer of 2020. Do you know not one Sabbath did it ever rain? And I'll tell you what, when we started with 30 people, by the time September came, we had 70 people, 70 people in that church. I will tell you, God, God honors. When you, make, when you honor God, God honors you, amen? You know what happened with the two other churches? One went from 52 down to 15, and the other one went from 35 down to 10. This one went from 30 to 70. I will tell you, when you honor God, he honors you. So now we're like, we can't go back in that strip mall. Well, we're just going to have to rent a church, right? So there's 35 churches in this Maple Grove area of Minnesota. Call one church. Of course, we're in the middle of a raging pandemic. Hey, how would you like to rent this? No, you know. First church, second church, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. By the time we got to 35 out of 36, I knew God was going to provide. It hadn't rained once, right? I know there's a church for us. So I prayed and said, okay, you're, you're going to have to come up with this church. It's getting cold out now, God. It's at, we were at our last Sabbath in September, and we're like, let's go. God opened up the doors of this church. And here's interesting to me. I'm always looking to evidence where God is leading, right? Before they signed the contract on the strip mall that they were in, this church was also at one time ready to open their church to them, but the contract had just been signed. And so they didn't. And so the person who had been there before said, you know, I remember this church. They went to it, and they allowed us to go ahead and rent. Beautiful Methodist church. It seats like 250 people, right? But here's the problem then. These, this strip mall, they wanted to hang on to it as a hangout for their youth. They were really big. This church had lost a bunch of their youth before. And so they did not want to let this, this hangout go because they weren't able to use this church throughout the whole time. And so what we needed to do then is I needed, we needed to work through some issues. I will tell you in a minute how we did that in the next, in the next segment. But this is what you do. You show them evidence of God leading, Amen. step by step. Because how, how can they argue with evidence of God's leading, right? So you just say, this is how, at every board meeting, this is how I sense that God is leading. For instance, right now, we're in this Methodist church. And in January, I get a phone call to be a chaplain for the local police department. I did not seek this. This came to me. And I'm like, okay, God. How can I not walk through this door that you've just opened to me, right? So I go in there, and he said, look. He says, things are really tough right now in the police department. He says, we're working with 60% staff. 
He said, right now, as a profession, we're struggling. We have, there's more suicides and more divorces in our profession right now than any other. And he says, we're dealing with mental health issues. Eight out of every 10 calls that we go out on now are because of mental health. And I'm like, okay, God, you're having me partner with them. I'm already going out on, you know, DOAs, d death on arrival. How can I partner with them with mental health? Then I, uh, a week later, as I'm praying about this, there is a woman who is an ER nurse that is talking to me about her challenges. And I said, are you still dealing with COVID? She goes, no, it's mental health. I said, really? She said, our ER is full of makeshift rooms for mental health. She says, I get a stroke or a heart attack victim. She says, my heart just about stops because I don't have a room for them because the psych ward is already full and this is what we have to do. She says, mental health is it. I'm like, wow, God, all right, I'm hearing you loud and clear right now, God. It's mental health that you want us to somehow partner with the police with this. I've got an intern coming next week to our church his wife has a master's in counseling, right? And she's wondering about how she can be a, a blessing to our community. I'm not sure. I've got a bunch of puzzle pieces here. It's up to God to put it together. But already I'm sensing that God is calling us to do mental health work within the community. Can you see that already? So what I am sharing with you is already how I am sharing with my board. They're already primed on like, how is God going to work through this? So as I get this intern and I have these crucial conversations with her, as I start talking about maybe partnering with some resources, we are able to start being able to identify initiatives that we can work along with the police department to work with that. Amen? And so train your church with how it is that God leads. Have them give ministry reports on them seeing God at work in your church. The more that you make him lifted up and present, the more he can bless your church, amen? Train your church in their roles. I do greeter workshops. I do how to give Bible study workshops. I do preaching workshops. Train them up because quite frankly, many of them have spiritual gifts that really overshadow the gifts that I have in some of these areas. So let's train them. Let's educate them. Keep them informed at every step. Show how God is leading and show evidence of how he's already been leading. Again, the more he's lifted up, the more that we're able to work and join him. Amen? Amen. I love it. Great stuff. Um, great stuff. And that really goes along with uh, the next way. If you want to see a change through your church board, number one, change the content of the conversation. Number two, change the experience of the conversers. Change the experience. Of the, when I change the content of the conversations, I change the agenda. You can imagine in a church where they've been doing the same thing um, since uh, just after the flood that um, <laughs> that there would be some major, you know, comments. There was a, some major complaints that happened. Why can't we do it the old way? You know, we used to do new business and old bit old business and new business, and now you're adding all this mission stuff, and we just want to do it our old way. And, uh, and, and so, um, you know, it's kind of like the quote by Scott Cormode that says, leadership is letting people down at a rate they can stand. Be as loving and connected with people as possible. Earn their trust. Be, live with character. Show character and be connected. And so you can earn their trust. But, don't just, but you don't have to just do whatever 
people want. You need to do what Jesus wants and find ways to bring uh, to dialogue with others on how to make that happen. Um, uh, so uh, what had changed? Oh, so, so they said, we just want it the old way. Well, after a few months of doing it the new way, a few board members said to me, Dustin, now I see why we're doing this. It was so fulfilling. What had changed? Their experience had changed. What you, what you help the church board members do outside the board will directly impact what happens inside the board. This is the missing conversation from the management discussion. It's that we're not dealing with, with impersonal, detached ideas. We're dealing with people who have emotions and experiences and insecurities and passions and gifts, right? And so if we can help, if we can help those gifts, if you're rowing the boat, you don't rock the boat, right? And so, and so focus on their experience. How can you help your board members get a new experience with Jesus and his mission in their daily lives? The first basic thing is just give practical challenges to your church board members, helping them connect that their role as a church board member isn't just an advice giver, it's to live out this calling with Jesus. And so, I mean, there's tons of things. I'm just going to throw up some stuff up here for your creative uh, juices to get them flowing. You can take a couple pictures. I'll just focus on a, one or two. Commit to, let's say, hey, as a church board, uh, I'd like to give a challenge to all of us on the church board to spend 10 more minutes with Jesus every day until our next board meeting. At our next board meeting, we're just going to have a sharing time during the training and inspiration part about what was your experience? What did you do and how did God work in your life through that, right? 10 more minutes. That uh, Whatever you normally do, just add 10 minutes, all right? That's a basic one, right? Or another one could be, hey, we're leading a group's wave, and I'm planning on leading one group, and I'm asking you, you are the leaders of the church, would you prayerfully consider uh, leading a group for six to eight weeks, and, uh, we'll, uh, and we'll help you get uh, you personally recruit people in your network to be part of that group to grow spiritually. Maybe you already have a resource, a coordinated way that you're going through it to make it really easy for anyone to lead a group. And so we're looking for people who can help lead groups. Um, I've, uh, is there anyone here who's willing to sign up for that? I'm just going to pass out a sign-up sheet, and, and you can sign up, yes, I'm ready to do it, or yes, I already know who my partner is, or I'm thinking about it, and, and then we can have more conversation about that, right? So you see practical challenges where you can get them doing here. Here's another, just a couple examples. Um, and calling members, asking about how they're doing, you can split up the membership list, uh, and, and then let them be con connecting with other members, right? So practical challenges, number one. A second thing, are you guys ready for the next one? A second way we can change the experience of the conversers is through getting them involved in making disciples personally, right? Uh, this is what it's all about. This is what it means to be the church. And so here is, uh, here is a very simple framework that has helped us. This is what we use in our church plant, and it is powerful. Um, it's Bell's Missional Incarnational Rhythms. You can find it in the book, Surprise the World. But we are in a secular context. We're in an urban secular context where, uh, where if you just ask somebody if they want Bible studies, some of them haven't even read the Bible, don't even have never opened a Bible before. We actually had that happen. We invited someone to a small group that we had dinner and then we had a Bible study and, so, and they followed up with her afterwards and say, hey, how was your experience? She said, yeah, that was actually the first time I've opened a Bible in my life. She was 26 years old. <laughs> this is what we're working with and we don't have to wring our hands and say, why doesn't anybody care about God anymore? We can just start living in a way that they that, that's meaningful to them. So bless three people per week, at least one not from your church. How can you bless people? Uh, Eat with three people per week, at least one not from your church. When we eat with people and listen to them, we have a chance to become one of the most significant people in their lives immediately. Because who else is doing that? Nobody. 
Secular people are so disconnected, and people who aren't connected to a church have no friends. They only have friends with family members or people that they inherited through school and work. And we can be something more than that. We can, and so listen to people, listen to the Holy Spirit and to others. Learn Christ each day. We got to be listening to Jesus so that when we get asked about it, we're ready to passionately share, right? The whole idea, always be ready to give an answer to the people who, to, to when somebody asks you the reason for the hope that is within you with meekness and fear, right? That presupposes that people are asking questions. So if they're not asking us questions, maybe we live it, need to live a more questionable life, right? This is how you do it. Blessing people, eating with people, listening to people, and then they start asking you questions about why are you like this? Um, and then sent, register and share the ways you've been sent each week. Keep it in a journal, have an accountability group, whatever you need to do. Let me give a quick example. Caitlin made, a, my wife Caitlin right here made Christmas cookies uh, for our uh, neighbors. We went and delivered them as a family. We sang a Christmas carol. We said, hey, we pray for our neighbors. Uh, is there anything we can pray for for you? I I'm pretty sure that most of my neighbors are not connected to any church, all right? And, uh, and so they, you know, every single one of them gave a meaningful prayer request. Uh, the one who was right across the street said, yeah, actually, um, I'm looking for a new church. He'd been out of the church for a year after his divorce. And I said, really? Because we're starting a new church here in this community. And, uh, and then he invites us inside and shows us his 10 electric guitars. And, and I asked, hey, man, have you ever played any worship music before? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I was like, hey, I'm leading music. Uh, next Saturday, would you be willing to play with me? And he's like, absolutely. Let's do this. And so uh, Dean, start, Dean came and played music with me that Sabbath, and then he never stopped coming. He's been playing, and he's, uh, he's involved in our church. And LifeBridge is his church. And it started with taking Christmas cookies to our neighbors. What do you think that does for my church members and leaders to see me living on mission in my neighborhood and then also for them to be and then also to create space in the board meeting for them to share how have we been living any bells stories how have we been living on mission how has jesus led us in the lives of others and then when they hear it from each other as well it changes everything in your church they start being what jesus created us to be uh finally uh um, also, how can you change their experience? You've got living on mission. That's how to build the relationships. And then baptism coaches, right? I was trained that the pastor is the one to give Bible studies. So uh, let me give an example. We had Daniel. Uh, Daniel came to, uh, um, well, actually, right before I give an example. It, this is a simple baptism coach plan where any member can lead someone to baptism in about two or three months, eight weeks or so. Right, and so and so, if someone says I want to be baptized, we have Bible study lessons available in the lobby or online. It's very accessible. Uh, I I've used a picture of God.com beyond the search DVDs. You can use whatever lessons you want, uh, but make sure you can do it in about eight weeks, two lessons a week. We talk baptism at the beginning. Awesome, God's work in your life. Let's let's uh, prepare for this celebration. Uh, here, you study these two lessons uh, this coming week, and then let's set up a time to meet next week where we can get together for 30 to 30 minutes or so, maybe 60 minutes, and we'll sit down and we'll talk about any of your questions. You go ahead and do the quiz or the, the, the quiz questions or the reflection questions at the end, and then you come to me, and when we sit down, we'll talk about anything we can pray for together, we'll answer any of your questions, and then we'll give you the next two lessons to do the next week, right? Very simple, anyone can do it. Um, you can train somebody how to do this in about five minutes or less, right? And so then, um, 
And so then they go and they do it, and now they're, they're seeing the Holy Spirit change people's lives through doing Bible studies. And, then, uh, and so then at the end of that eight weeks, if people have been faithful and focused, they're ready for baptism and come to new member orientation to be cleared for baptism, and then, and then ready for their baptism, right? If they take a little bit longer, that's fine. But now, now the members are becoming the heroes in making disciples instead of the pastor, right? And that's what our role is, is to be hero makers, not to be heroes, and so Daniel came to our worship gathering. He was a patient at one of our, denti- uh, there's a dentist in our church. He was a patient at the practice. And, and Daniel came, he, was a, um, he has a spiritual conversation, divine appointment there with the dentist. The dentist invites him to our worship gathering. He comes to our LifeBridge worship gathering. We invite him to a retreat that we're going on the next weekend where we were talking about some vision of our church stuff. He sees the vision of the church. He sees the community and he says, I wanna be part of this church. I wanna be baptized. Now, if I did what I was trained to do, I would say, awesome, I am going to give Bible studies to you for the next six months, and then I'm going to baptize you. But instead, I said, awesome, praise the Lord. Here's what we're going to do. We have an eight-week plan where you can really get, go deep and understand what this commitment that you're making to Jesus is all about. It's the picture God studies. And then, we're, and then I recruited other guys from the group, some who weren't even really that connected with LifeBridge, some who were, and we got eight guys together in, to start a Bible study group where they're investing in Daniel and encouraging him in the journey. I led out with the first three, and then I let other guys lead out. And then at the end of that experience, we had a baptism. Where am I? Where am I in that picture? Not there. I'm right here. Well, hiding behind something. Because I was part of the group. I was part of discipling him, but I wasn't even the main person, right? And so we have the other guys who are the disciple makers. What do you think that does for these people in their experience? What do you think that does for them? Well, they baptized him. We all baptized him together. And as a result, not only did Daniel get super involved in our church, and he still is today. But also, at our next group's waves, four of those guys led their own small groups. Many of us are challenged by having to have a very um, difficult board meeting or business meeting that could have um, long-term consequences for the church. I want to read a quote to you, which I think is very startling. It says, Satan attends every committee meeting trying to impress minds that make objections that will delay the work. The very thing that the Lord had impressed upon the minds of his servants that ought to be done has not been done at the right time because these men advanced their own ideas under the suggestions the devil had put in their minds to hinder the work of God and to disgust those who would see the work of God move. Satan attends every board meeting, every business meeting, every committee meeting, and if he can impress anyone's mind to make objections or to throw in suggestions that will delay the work hours and weary out those who are called upon to attend these meetings, he is wonderfully pleased. He has had his way in the matter. And the business which should be pushed through with dispatch, yet in an intelligent manner, is made tedious and to drag along because of the human 
unsanctified elements in the character of some who are placed in responsible positions who do not have knowledge when to speak and when to keep silent. Is that sobering or what? Will you read this to your board? <laughs> I mean, honestly, honestly, because they need to be made aware of it. Is that right? Because oftentimes they will have ideas and suggestions in their mind that they don't even recognize that they are just a tool in the enemy's hand. Amen? Well, I want to share with you how um, oftentimes I have seen God work in amazing ways when we are on the verge of a church split. And I'll tell you what happened. That United Methodist Church that so graciously took us in, there was a group, and this group had teenagers, young teenagers in the church. The older brothers and sisters, the other generation of five to 10 years older, all of those kids were gone. That was before I came. They were all gone. They had a group now of about 12 teenagers that they were afraid was going to lose the church. When I first came to the church, I saw this, this youth leader who was doing great things with him, taking him snowboarding, taking him all over the place, but there was no spirituality there. There were about 12 of them. So I said, hey, let's, let's have Bible studies with them every week in addition. And why don't I lead out and you can join and then you can lead out as well. So these kids started out with the Bible studies. They started inviting friends. The group got bigger and bigger. But this group, was un, they were unwilling to make this carryover, to let this strip mall go, because they wanted to keep it there for the teenagers, right? So it was a big you know, pull and tuck kind of a thing. And so I knew at that business meeting that we were at a crucial crossroads. Were we going to be preserved and go to this United Methodist Church, or was there going to be a split? I mean, it was, you know, there was rallying and politics and all of this stuff going on. So the first thing I did was just ask the board, let's get on our knees in our face and let's pray, pray, pray. In fact, we don't have one prayer meeting. We have two prayer meetings in our church because you know what? I don't think once a week is enough. If you've got Satan attending every uh, board meeting and every business meeting, you think once a week is enough? I think not. So we do it twice a week. But here's the thing. This is what I have seen, uh, and I'll be honest with you, Mark Finley baptized me 100 years ago, right? So, so I'm a product of him. I saw him do something similar in a business meeting. And so this is what I do. Number one, he talked about the mission of the church again. And this is something that we always do, but he talked about the mission of the church then he reaffirmed Jesus's heart for unity in the church. And he talked about how Satan wants to get a foothold at every turn to destroy the unity of the church so that the work of God, the mission of God, will not work. And so I asked several of the key leaders, could you read this text for us? Could you read this text for us? Could you read this text for us? And they were all talking about unity of the church. There were six or seven key uh, verses from there. I got up and I said, how many of you think that we should vote on what percentage would need to pass in order for us to move forward with United Methodist Church? Do you think 90% is a practical um, percentage? 90%. Is there a motion for 90%? No one raised their hand. All right, what about... 
85%, would 85% be a practical uh, percentage? No, no one said 85. What about 80? Would 80% be, no, not 80. What about 75%? Would 75, you know, again, we want to be united. We don't want to go forward. How many of you think 75? No, they were not. They were recognizing that they, what, the, what needed to happen and that they needed, the majority of them needed to go forward, but they were not, they, they didn't think that it could make it at 75%. Okay, what about 70%? Someone made a motion for 70. Is there a second? Yes. Okay, discussion. So it was 70%. So we talked about, I did a PowerPoint presentation. I showed United Methodist Church. I talked about, I cast the vision. What could be? What God has done? Again, talk about evidences of God's leading. And then we took a vote. Guess what it was? It was 90% to go with United Methodist Church. It was amazing. Once I, get, I empowered them to set the percentage, they all bought in. And it was 90%. And here's the thing. Those people who were upset that we weren't going to be able to also rent, because you couldn't rent two places, someone anonymously gave us um, $17,000 so that we could go ahead and continue with this strip mall. I'll tell you what, I just praise God. And I, to this day, I don't know who gave us that money. It was this this bogus Russian name, you know, who all of a sudden this, this, all of a sudden this money was in our account. But I will tell you, it took a year for them to use that place and realize that it was not what they thought it would be. I mean, they started to do, try to do some community stuff, but even with COVID, they weren't able to socially distance. And so that, after about a year, and then I thought, okay, God, what's going to happen with this board meeting that I'm going to have about, are we going to follow up? There was only about $500 left out of this for this uh, strip mall. And I said, all right, so what are we going to do? And they just said, oh, no, we're, gonna, we're, we're just going to go ahead and, and uh, we're just going to close it down. And I was looking at one person said a word about not closing it down. I said, all right, what are we going to do with everything? Let's bless another church plant with all of that. Great. So we were able to bless another church plant who loved having all of the chairs and everything that we needed for it, seeing God at work. But I will tell you, I'm not smart enough to figure out how to do this stuff, but I know God is smart enough. So I just follow his lead with all of this stuff. Amen? All right. Awesome. Yep. Okay. That is awesome. Um, thank you. Beautiful. In, in closing here, uh, the, the last way, how to see a change through your church board change the content of the conversation. We talked about the agenda, change the experience of the converses. We talked about how to get them involved in personally making disciples. And then the last is change the voices included in the conversation. I remember sitting in a board meeting one time and uh, all this work that we'd done for months in a subcommittee, learning, studying, putting some goals together for our church, one person killed the whole thing. Have you ever had that happen? One person killed the whole thing. She obviously was emotionally insecure about it and everything. She's, she, she killed it with her influence, and she was saying, you're not the boss, Dustin. And I was like, who is the boss? Um, but anyway, uh, Jesus? So, or, or you. Anyway, I didn't say that. No, I, I was just like kind of wondering why she was attacking me personally. I wanted, yeah, I needed to pray after that um, and repent for my own uh, thoughts. But uh, anyway... I called up an elder at the church um, uh, who I really respect, and I said, what should I have done differently there? Uh, we can learn from our members, can't we? And 
and he said, you know, I learned, and when I was administering boards back in my career, I learned that uh, if I just called one or two people before big decisions, everything went better. And I said, you really think that I need to call her just because she's insecure that she wasn't the controller of the situation? He said, yes. And it did in the future. Um, and then lastly, uh, also thinking about who is making these decisions. This is uh, the trajectory of our church. You know, the cool part about being in a church where everyone's like really old is that you have access to data that nobody else does. <laughs> Age of the church board back 50 years. My clerk is, was there. Um, and so we, uh, this was kind of the trajectory of the age of the church board. You know, have we ever thought about how the age of the church board might reflect currently or, or, uh, or aspirationally the age of the church? Um, and so, uh, you know, is it any wonder that our church had grown old over the years? Um, and so then after only three years later, uh, this was the trajectory. We were able to do this without hurting anyone's feelings. But looks like we're out of time, so I don't know if I have time to share with you how we did that. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so, uh, so how did we do that? How did we how did we go down ten years uh, without hurting people's feelings? They their emotional identity was attached to their position that they'd held for decades in the church, right? So, how do you do that, right? If we vote one of them out and a new young person in, there's going to be a lot of fallout, right? Now, sometimes you just got to do that anyway, right? because that's the right thing to do. But in our case, what we felt like was the right thing to do was in the nominating committee, there is a section of the general conference church board positions that have already been voted as the chair of the nominating committee. You as the pastor get to decide which of these positions that your nominating committee will vote on having, right? You can check that out in the church manual and stuff like that, right? So we said, we're going to add church board positions. And I put up young adult leader on the board. All right. And I, I put up young adult leader on the board. And, and what did the nominating committee say? The same thing they always say, right? Like, we have a hard enough time finding leaders for the current positions. How could we ever vote, have a new position? But that's just my nominee. You're, you don't have that happen, right? But we had refreshed the process. I'll give a resource at the end of how you can do that. We'd refresh the process. We started putting names up on the board. And these young adults that I had been discipling to lead groups and to start making disciples and to lead these outreach initiatives and stuff like that that I'd personally kind of started developing, their names started making it up on the board. Because they're the ones who are doing stuff in the church. They're the ones who are already leading. Why don't we start putting them in these positions? And so we ended up going from having the youngest church board member in their 40s, uh, he was the youth on the board, to having eight under 35. And so that is a simple way we did it with no, no feelings getting hurt. And as a result, it changed the conversation. It changed the conversation. The young people weren't willing to put up with the same dysfunctional habits that had been entrenched for such a long time. And they asked questions and challenged people. And when people would accuse other people's character, they'd say, no, that's not them, right? And so we, we saw God start moving things forward much more rapidly after including more voices 
in the conversation. So uh, that's, that's the end of our, we have some Q&A time. I'm gonna put up a couple slides with resources that have been very helpful to us. A great article, uh, good book. There's uh, two slides worth of resources that touch on some of these things we've talked about. Um, so I'll let you take pictures of that, but I think uh, we, we can take, Karen, if you wanna come up, we can take some questions right now. Okay, yeah. Oh, how to discover and empower. How do you find new leaders? First of all, what did Jesus say to do? You pray for them. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more workers in the harvest field. Pray that God will show you who he's, he, who he's raising up. And then here's the most, the most powerful question you can ask to anybody ever, I think. Okay, not ever, all right. There's personal walk with Jesus, right? But the most powerful question and mission you can ask anybody is what would you love to see God do through you? If you get in the habit of asking people this question, especially young people, if you get in the habit of asking people this question, especially young people in all your visits and all your groups, whenever you take somebody out to eat and you discover their passions and their dreams and how you can help them do things in the mission right away, not, not hold an office, but do something significant in the mission right away, you're going to see God do incredible things in your church. Yes. All right. Any okay. questions? Or, well, yeah. What are the resources? Go resources. Here's the first slide of resources. And I'm going to flip it in a second. One. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. First question. So when you have a tough week coming up and you need to go talk to your CCC board meeting, what's going on in that conversation? Oh, great question. I mean, Karen could probably talk about this, too. Uh, do you want to say something sure. about it? Uh, so, again, I am keeping them oppressed of how I feel God is leading and I'm showing them the signs. I just say, hey, I'm really excited. I'm going to share with you, you know, what God is, how I feel God is leading us. And I know you'll be really excited to hear too. That creates a couple things. Number one, it's not my idea. It's God's idea. Number two, the fact that I am sharing with them makes them feel what? Important and valued. Do you think that's going to make, that's going to carry over? Yes, and number three, it's something positive, something positive. And if there's anything back in your experience that you can bring to them to show with them how God is at work and has worked in the past, that will be huge. Go ahead. I can, I can just add uh, one more thing. Um, as, as, a, as a young pastor working with older people who felt like they knew everything, um, I definitely had to learn this of we want to have a we want to have a learning posture posture toward other people and so I wouldn't ask the leader if we could do this I would present the challenge in the mission that we have and then say one idea or an idea that we're looking at or whatever or first I might get them to brainstorm but then an idea that we're looking at is this what do you think what, how would we even do that right get them talking about how and thinking through, and so if they can, if it can be their idea for how to implement the idea that you already want to see happen, that's a big win, right? We don't, we we can give away as much credit as possible as long as the mission goes forward. Yeah, uh, Rod, you're on. Just off from that, someone other than your pastor standing board, you know, right now in our church. Yeah. Um, well, I had, for the first year I was in my district, I had a, um, a, a member, you know, one of the church board chairs leading it. And so I would have to decide, I, in that situation, 
I find out what is my lane and then I would, what is my, what is my, my area? And then I would use that as much as I could, right? Um, but uh, definitely it helped when he got upset at a decision that was made and stepped down. Um, and we celebrated his tenure up in front of the church. But and I told him, celebrated as leaving. no, we didn't. <laughs> no, we didn't. We celebrated, we celebrated his service to the church. And I said, I said, I still want you to mentor me. You know how to do this. I want you to mentor me in the process. Would you be willing to talk with me on how to do this? And so we want to lean in closer to people like that as well. But I think, I think uh, in that situation, you have to figure out what's best for your context. But definitely you have more, more vision casting opportunity uh, as the chair. Yeah. I, that would definitely be the recommendation. If you're not... If you're not the chair and it does and you can't you can't get that in your context, then I would figure out how to work closely with the chair and how to have certain parts belong to you, yes, right? Fine. Which is uh, and that's where you can still implement some of that stuff. Um, that's that's our answer. Yeah. We've got four minutes left. Okay. Any other questions? There was a, a hand here and then a hand. Yes, here. sir. They're already empowered. You know, I was I was um, pastoring a church where it didn't matter. There was a matriarch in the church. Everyone in the church saw her as the matriarch. Everyone, she had that authority. Even though they made another woman, an older woman, the head elder, the head elder would come up to me and complain and go, I don't know. I don't know why I bothered to be head elder. Everyone still goes to Beverly. They don't go to me. And so there are some things you can change, and there's other things you cannot change. And if the church sees her as the authority, I mean, yeah, it's going to take a while. And sometimes it takes a funeral, right? I mean, that's just, you know, so. Scheduling. So, so what Karen is saying is schedule that funeral. No, I'm just kidding. No. Um, so, but really the key question is they keep move forward with the church board, move forward with your leaders, but ask yourself the question, is there anyone who has the ability to kill what we're trying to do. And if they have the ability to kill what you're trying to do, you need to find a way to get them on board. Yes. But otherwise, keep moving forward with the designated leaders. All right? Yes. Pray for them. Yeah. Go ahead. How long have you been there? Yeah, All right. don't make any changes with that. I, I, would, I would disagree with that. No offense. Did you? Would you? I would so the question is, do you want to be seen as a leader? Do you want to be seen as a leader? Because leaders take risks to do things. But if you can do it, but, but uh, so if, are you the church board chair? Yes. Then you, you don't have any... You don't have any loyalty to the past, but you do have a lot of loyalty to the people who've been there in the past. And so if you can show them that you're taking the best from the past with them into the future, then they won't grieve the loss so greatly, right? And so, and so find out what are the values that they really cared about in the old way of doing things and carry those values into the new way of doing things. But if you add ministry reports, if you add these things that we're talking about, People won't complain if you they can still enjoy. say 
if you can still stay, stay efficient with decision making and stuff like that. Did I get a ton of complaints when I changed it? Absolutely. What, should I have waited longer to change it? Definitely not, right? They'd already waited 70 years and run off all their young adults in the process. Yeah. Our time is up, guys. Last question. As far as as far as facilitating what? As far as the the discussion? Well, if you're the chairperson, then I think you should be the facilitator, yeah. right? Yep. yep. Yeah. That's the answer. Yeah. I meant to let the others discuss definitely. Yeah, definitely. You want them to move things forward as much as possible. If you have to say something, say it, but don't be the main person, don't be the first person. Okay, we've got Excellent. it. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Right, let's hear it for Dustin and Karen, please. Thank you. Thank you. It's great. When we got here, we had maybe 12 people. And, <laughs> you know, as soon as they started talking, it was like, come on now. Yes, that's, that's, that's for sure. Now, um, I know some of you had difficulty coming in or trying to find the place. Thank you for persevering. I want to know who was the first person that arrived to this place here? Uh, first one. Grant. First one. Grant? Grant. Who's Grant? Here, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Where's your hand, Grant? Daniel, I mean, not Grant. That's Daniel? Okay. Daniel, Daniel. Would you do me a favor and do the honors? Thank you for being with us. It's a gift card that we have there, okay? Thank you. Um, now, I want to know and recognize who was the last person that came. Because the very last person speaks to me or tells me that that is a persevering person. What's right your here. name? Uh, Eugene. Eugene. Eugene, thank you for uh, sticking with us. Now, uh, let's hear for Eugene as well, please. We have this session again in the afternoon. We've got some very difficult questions before we give things out. If you want to come back in the afternoon, uh, Feel free to. If you know someone who has this or is, is, is set up for this one and doesn't know where it's at, help us by letting them know where they may be at as well. It'll be a different seminar. Uh, 2.30? Yeah, it'll be a different seminar. I'm not sure what the seminar is. Not oh. a repeat. It's a different seminar. Oh, oh, it's a different seminar. I understood it was the same it's one. The only one that we have. So okay. You guys, made it. you guys made it then. All right, great, excellent. I'm, I'm going to invite you to please stand with me. We'll have a word of prayer. Uh, we're heading out to lunch now at 12.30. If you'd like to stop by the uh, exhibition um, area, you can as well in the meantime. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what we want to thank you for the privilege of your call on our lives to lead your people. Uh, today, we are reminded that that is no easy task. Uh, thank you for the wisdom that has been shared uh, through uh, Dustin and Karen. And Lord, thank you for the promise of your presence with us there. Uh, one of the things that we were reminded today is, is that you are the chair. You should be. So help us, Lord, to start there. Uh, all that we've heard here and learned here, we want to internalize it with the guiding of your spirit. So be with each one of our fellow colleagues here and be with us throughout the rest of our time together. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.